NCEA students up and down the country are in study mode right now, with final assignments looming after the school holidays and then into the exam period. Our guest is the teacher, author, public speaker and chief executive of Spectrum Education, Karen Boys, who says study skills can also teach life skills. She has some tips for us. Kia ora, Karen. Welcome back to Noon to Noon. Hi, it's great to be back. It really is always a stressful time of year for students, but given the disruptions of the past couple of years to routines and ways of doing things, um, should we start with the particular context when we look at what's going to help? Yeah, um, I think uh, I think that connection of uh, learning to study and uh, life is really important because uh, many of the kids are like are over it. They're like, I don't want to do this anymore. They they just don't see the purpose of it. But actually, what they're learning is incredible life skills to be able to plan, to be able to self monitor, to be able to. Uh, just uh, time management so all of those things in itself are great so do you need to kind of sell it to them as to why this matters because we know there's been issues with motivation um, and and we know that there's a little bit of kind of um, flexibility I think in people's thinking right now about okay don't start uni next year go and do something else for a year but is your point to make this more about why this matters in and of itself now not just the results but how it can matter for your future more broadly. Yes, because uh, learning those skills now sets you up for life. I think one of the things that students often think is that when they are um, studying, it's just for the exam. And when I go to work, I'll be different. But we're not different. The habits we start now are the habits we take into our workplace. And what are those habits? What are the basics? So things like planning and time management, being able to put a weekly and a monthly schedule together. We all need to know what we're doing this week, next week, uh, next month, even if it's just planning a holiday in life. So, you know, we need to be able to look ahead. And so uh, taking a task and breaking it down into small manageable pieces and even just starting with the task when it's due and going backwards. You know, that's just a simple strategy, right? The old wall chart. Yes. It's the... probably on the phone these days. <laughs> Days, but it still exists. I think actually the wall chart is still the best. It stares you can, at you. And you can actually, I love post-it notes because you can put the post-it note on where we all the things you need to do and then move the post-it note if you haven't got it done. So it actually shows you that actually it's getting the deadline's getting closer and oh gosh, I have to do something about it now. <laughs> okay, so that's the kind of planning, but let's, let's break it right down to where students will be at right now. For a start, many of them will still have final assignments, right? Correct. And then the exams are behind it. So if we've got our wall planner, whatever format works for them, what are we doing at this point? Or probably should have already done, but what are we doing at this point? <laughs> um, yeah, most of them probably haven't started. Uh, holidays feel like holidays yeah. for many students. So, um, so yeah, look at when things are due. And then break everything down into small tasks. What do you need to do? You need to do the research. You need to do the uh, paragraph one, paragraph two, paragraph three. You need to be able to do the, you know, it's, it's getting into that fine detail first. And once you've got that fine detail, uh, then say, I'm going to do it on this day at this time. And so break it down to when you're going to do it. And so then this comes into task initiation and, and it's starting a task. It's like, yeah, starting it. 
even if it's just writing, you know, we used to start our letters, dear Nan. Even yeah. if it's just, it's that first step is such a breakthrough, even if that's as far as you get, right? Yes. So I highly recommend that all the students download the app I Study Alarm. It's all one word. It's completely free, no advertising, no nothing. Uh, but what it does is it times them for 20 minutes. So it gets them started. Mm-hmm. So you do 20 minutes and then it gives you a revision break and then it gives you a five minute break. So it's the old Pomodoro technique. But um, uh, start that or start with something simple because often it just looks overwhelming. And so start with something that, hey, I can do this, even if I just start for two minutes. But do we want to start with that kind of plan for these things first so you know which assignments are due? Correct. You think about which ones. Some of them might be physical assignments or art assignments or whatever. So you think about which ones you you might be able to do under a bit of time pressure and which Mm -hmm. ones you really need to get going now. And that's not necessarily the order they land in. Correct. You're visualising all this as you go, right? You're rehearsing doing it before you start. And then you've got your exam exam deadline. So you've got your big picture. And then, as you say, you need to move into the specifics for each task. You've got us at the point where we're breaking down those tasks and you're recommending the use of this little app to actually get you going. What tends to happen, though? We tend to drift. We're overly optimistic about what we're going to achieve in a study session or even in a week or a weekend. Uh, And talk about that flexibility you were talking about that then comes into play. Mm. Well, let me go a step back. Um, I think one of the, the most important study tip I could ever, ever teach is to learn what you don't know. Most of our students are going back over what they already know because it makes us feel good. So if you're a to-do list writer, uh, people write to-do lists just so they can cross things off sometimes because it, it, yeah. it makes us feel good. And so learning what we know or going back over revising what we know makes us feel good but that's not learning so we actually have to go back over what we don't know and so that's hard and it's difficult it's intensive and you need to allow more time around that including more recovery time and more breaks around that correct so you're realistic in the time you're allocating for the hard stuff Yes. Yeah. So make sure you're focusing on what you don't know and then uh, have that flexibility. So know that it might take you longer. You know, what if suddenly mum or dad say, hey, we're going out for dinner tonight and you planned uh, study time around that or, you know, grandmother's coming over. uh, So and we expect you to be uh, spending time with her. But I've got study. So you need to make sure you plan in some wiggle room. Okay, for that slippage that happens. Yes. In terms of knowing what you don't know, one thing we haven't touched on, and I'm not sure what happens in exams now, I'm too far out of touch with it, but the idea that you can actually work out what you're probably going to be asked, and this is what teachers used to help you with, whatever your subject matter was, so that you don't go and prepare a whole lot of stuff in one area and you're caught short on an area or two. Is that still relevant? Yes, that's still relevant. Practicing old exam papers, seeing how they ask a question, what kind of questions they have asked, what they haven't asked for a few years, is quite a good strategy too. And the same ones do with, not not exactly every year, but within a subset, the same ones should come up. Um, enough for you to be able to say, if I've prepared well this area, this area, and this area, and this area, I should be okay, right? Correct, yes. Do the teachers do that analysis with the kids in advance? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah they should be doing some of that. Okay. Yes. So we're into it, um, task initiation. We've done the planning, we've done the task initiation, right? Um, We've done some organisation, focusing on what you don't know and working out how long the hard bits are going to take. We've put in some flexibility. Speak more to the flexibility because it's not just whether something comes in and upsets your study plan. 
It's about what you're actually physically and cognitively going to be able to do over a period of time. (laughs) Absolutely. So this is where getting good night's sleep is important, getting great nutrition is important, it's uh, making sure you're getting exercise because all of those things lessen your stress and keep your brain clearer and more focused. That latter one is so important. We can only absorb so much in a given space, but we can help ourselves, we can help our little computer shake it all down. And what can help with that? Uh, I used to find a nap helped actually sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> Going for a walk, just just what what's that process to let what you've put in get sorted in your brain? This is why I recommend the iStudy alarm because it's the little breaks that actually the brain needs for learning. So the brain can only be doing one of two things when we're learning. It can take in information or it can be sorting information. Putting it into files yes. into, into, yeah. into your documents on Microsoft yes. in your brain. Which is why sleep is so important mm-hmm. because that's what your brain is doing while you're sleeping. It's actually filing and putting information together. It's linking things together, associating things together. Your brain does amazing things while you sleep. It's a little bit like exercise, physical exercise. When the muscle's exhausted, you can't keep piling on more reps. You need to rest that muscle, let it adapt, and then come back and you can do some more. And and I guess each student has to work out what's optimum for them. Yeah, and also to realise that the brain is about 2% of our body weight, but it uses 20% of the fuel that we put in. So, and eat that's plenty, just, yeah. Eat plenty of good things, yep. right, of the food that's going to be good for the brain, which is not... The lollies, the lollies and, and the energy drinks. And the energy drinks, yeah. <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. If you're at the point of pulling the all-nighter, maybe. But no, yes. but we're trying to avoid that. Okay, let's get into actual techniques for working with that memory then. Uh, because you can put in all the time in the world, but you need to find what helps you a, memorise, but then be able to recall or at least have the triggers you might need. If you don't need absolute memory in your assessment, you still need some triggers, right? Correct. Um, and so just work through how to make um, the, the practice of memorisation or getting sufficient triggers in place. So first and foremost, exams are memory tests. That's what they are actually testing, your memory of the information. And then secondly, can you apply it? So it's an application as well. So in uh, different levels uh, between, uh, you know, the different um, uh, levels that you can get in your exams depend on that level of application. So repetition really just going over and over and over the things uh, that you don't know uh, and having someone test you is uh, really useful. Just the same things you do when you get your driver's license. You got someone to test you, you did the exam uh, online, you know, you did maybe the scratchies, you gave the questions to someone and they asked you the questions. It's the same thing. But often uh, we haven't broken it down to exactly what we need to know. So that's one thing. Uh, chunking it into small information. So you're only doing three or four facts at a time. If you've got uh, history dates to learn, just learn three or four. Check you know them. Take that break and check. And then learn three or four more. Check you know them. If you've got a plot of the play to learn, then take uh, all the, you know, write down all the parts of the plot of the play and uh, and then just see if you can remember the first three and then cover it. Uh, because we want to do this from memory so not just always looking at your notes do it from your brain and then if you can do those add the next few see if you can remember the the next chunk so break it into those chunks and same with equations same with equations exactly the same yes 
Yeah. Talking out loud, does that help? It absolutely is a great strategy. And handwriting, I do recall that handwriting, oddly enough, I don't know if it's the same for word processing, just uses, it's, it's using all your different senses and all your different systems to try and embed. So coming at things different ways. Sometimes writing something out, even though it feels time, like it's time wasting, yes. you're more likely to embed it. And then maybe using some verbal as well, throwing yes. everything at it. Yep. So um, it doesn't matter who you talk out loud to, by the way. You can talk to yourself, mm-hmm. you can talk to your teddy bear, you can talk to your cat and your dog. It doesn't matter who you talk to. You just want to say it out loud because what's actually happening is the information is coming out of your mouth, going back and through your ears and enters the brain into a different pathway. So the more pathways that information has been stored in the brain, the easier recall is. So if you can do something with it, if you can talk about it, if you can write something, if you can read something, if you can draw something, all different ways. I mentioned the triggers, and this is really important when you get in that exam room, and I, I, again, it's a very different world from mine, but I do recall I would spend up to half of an exam in some subjects just bullet pointing, say they were four essays, yes. bullet pointing four different lots of notes, because once you go deep into writing the first thing, it's harder to retrieve the other things. Mm-hmm. Does that still apply for the likes of the arts subjects? Um, it's a wonderful strategy is to, when you first go into the exam, read the entire exam paper so you know what's coming up, and then go and, yes, bullet point or write everything that you can remember. It might be a key equation, remember. it might yep. be a key name, Dump it might be everything a date, down. dump it in, yeah. and then you can see it's there. You've got to go like mighty for the other half, but you can see it's all there and it's not so hard to retrieve. Correct. What are other, some of the tax strategies also so that what you've put in across several subjects possibly you can retrieve when you need to retrieve it? Mm. So this could be things like... Uh, anchoring information in time and space so if you learn different subjects in different rooms it can help so you think I was in the dining room when I learnt this I was in the kitchen when I learnt this I was in the lounge room my bedroom so that can help because the brain will actually store it in different places could be using different colours it could be uh, having uh, dialogue with somebody this this is what I talked to somebody about so uh, lots of different ways to create those little mini triggers for yourself, even movement. For people who say, I just can't memorise things. And look, we're such diverse learners and we're only finally properly waking up to the way the education system needs to adapt to the different ways we process information. That's a whole subject for another day. <laughs> but... Um, we still are all very different in the in the things that will work for us, but is one of the barriers also just the confidence we can have that mindset that I can I just can't memorize stuff, and if so, how can you break through that and find something that will work for you? Yeah, so uh, you do have to believe in yourself, and so take the small wins when you um, when you have done something well. Remember that, and take that into the exam. You know, I did well last time. Um, I can do well this time. So really. Uh, that mindset is really important, being able to take those long, deep breaths, etc. Mental blocks. Everyone says, I, you know, I know it's in there, I know it's in there. Yes. And you're under time pressure. How can you, what can you do? And can, sometimes is it worth going away and looking at something else in order to let that memory mm-hmm. go and search for what you're looking for? What are some of the different attack strategies you can have when you're having a block? Yeah, taking a break is a wonderful one. Taking that long, deep breath and just uh, even saying, don't worry about it right now. In an exam, leave it, don't stress around it, and then come back to it. So uh, that can really, really help as well. 
what about study for open book tests? I'm so glad this listener asked this. <laughs> What's different about it? Open book seems on the outside to be easier. People go, oh, it's an open book. It'll be easier. But actually often they're harder because you have to know where to find the information and there seems to be more of a panic. So uh, I tend to suggest that if you're studying for an open book, then study like it's a closed book. But you know you've got your notes there. True. And that links to the other really important point you raised, which is be sure that you understand what you're being asked and how to apply it. Now, I don't know if you heard our recent discussions about the NCEA trial testing that's happened with some select schools for future um, for future um, uh, tests and exams, and there were some really low results in maths and literacy that surprised people. And what the maths teacher we spoke to brought up in particular was that students were getting caught up in the way the question was being asked and hadn't worked out the mathematical principle. And they were mm. wasting a lot of time trying to get, what the hell are you asking me to do? Mm. There's a tendency you can rush in sometimes and think, I know this, and then you find out you've botched it. So what's that question attack skill? Yeah, so uh, that, so you've got to know your strategies. You've got to know, uh, I write all over an exam paper, I suggest my students do too, circle the keywords and, and really stop and just think, what are, are they, they asking? asking me? Yeah. And, and it might not be what's written in English in the example, it's the mathematical principle they want Behind you to it. demonstrate. Mm-hmm. So you're on the hunt for that yes. so that you don't go off on a tangent, pardon the pun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. The emotional ups and downs of all this, and goodness, Karen, again, this is for a cohort of students who've been through the grill, the bill and the grill. Um, and in normal times, this is an emotional... I can remember coming out of a school set exam and just shrieking at my poor mother, RIP. Like, just... she All she said was, how'd it go? You know what came out. <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 and there are, it's a kind of focused stress that sometimes the first time kids are coming across it, a performance stress, right? Um, how do we deal with the emotional ups and downs and how do parents support the emotional ups and downs apart from enormous tolerance? <laughs> well, enormous tolerance, patience is definitely good. Uh, know your triggers, know what triggers you uh, around that, maybe not enough sleep, maybe the stress, maybe the uh, social media distractions uh, that we want to be able to turn off uh, if you're tired uh, and the over-sugaring can actually trigger that too. So uh Life does have up and downs, and so we just have to be able to be aware, have that self-awareness and that learn to be have that emotional control. I think, um, I think one of the things that is very easy for our students to do is to blame somebody else. It's the teacher's fault. <laughs> it's the system's fault. And p- partly, perhaps it is, but there are still people who get through this. So instead of Welcome being on that... Welcome to life. I know, I know. <laughs> Which yeah. is your point. These yeah, are life right. skills. These yeah. are life skills, right? So instead of blaming, take responsibility. What can I do yeah, to, to get ensure? Yeah. And actually, I'm thinking back to our clinical psychologist yesterday talking about anxiety and and just naming it. Like if you can sit there and say, I'm feeling like this, but hello, I've got all these exams lined up. And 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 sit with your feeling and just understand that that's perfectly normal, uncomfortable as it mm-hmm. as it can be. Name it to tame it and then accept it. All yep. right. You've got a conference coming up soon. What's that about? Oh, yes, we're very excited. We've got our Parenting for Resilience, Confidence and Independence Summit starting tomorrow. 
And uh, who's that available to? Uh, anyone. It's completely free. It's online. We have 25 speakers talking about how to build that resilience, confidence and independence. So you can go to spectrumeducation.com and find out more. Some wisdom from listeners. Um, thanks for that. We'll um, get that link up as well. Some wisdom from listeners. Re-exam revision. Don't forget the importance of sleep as an actor. I read my lines just before I go to sleep and the next morning, bingo, I got it. Now, this is an interesting person. I was told to turn the day's subject notes into SWOT notes on the same day, thereby it's entering the brain twice. That is very disciplined. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worked. Very disciplined, and yep. it's worked. Yeah. yeah. Hey, brilliant. Thanks, Karen. Thanks very much.